welcome to DC Unlimited Podcast. We are three friends who are huge fans of all things DC that have come together to discuss the past, present, and beyond. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Evans from Gathering of the Geeks, where we do gather on Sundays. I'm joined by... Well, my thing is done. <laughs> I'm joined by Phil Walsh of Phil at the Movies, where you can always get your cinematic fill in. And the third guy in our band is the infamous Anthony Caruso, co-host of Tis the Podcast, where it's always Christmas. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. That was a great introduction, Chris. It was a great introduction. <laughs> I'm curious about the word infamous, but I'll take it. <laughs> well, okay. So to add to tonight, as I was running through the multiverse trying to prevent Michelle Pfeiffer from playing Catwoman, I changed some things. As a result of that, we have a very special guest tonight, Philip Barker from the Eternal Night Podcast and Four Nerds. How's it going, Phil? So I specifically stopped you from doing that because I love Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Thank you. Wait, thank you. Thank you, Phil. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, Welcome, Phil. gentlemen. Thank yeah. you so much for having me on. I am excited to talk about The Flash, among other things, with you guys. I love hearing your show. Every chance I get to download it, just pristine DC content right here, everybody. Absolutely. Why, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And we're, and we're glad to have you. Glad to be here. I think we have some fun. We're going to get nuts. through the multiverse, apparently. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> let's get nuts. Well, let's get right into it since you guys said let's get nuts. Yeah. <laughs> we have some news that I think we've all been waiting for. Everybody's been excited about this. We've been buzzing about it. Andy Muschietti, who I may be butchering his last name, has been confirmed to be directing Batman the Brave and the Bold or whatever it'll end up being called. <laughs> I'm excited. I he the guy knows Batman, which in my opinion we'll get into it in a bit when we dive into the Flash and spoilery filled detail. But uh, the minute I saw the movie, I was like, sign him for the Brave and the Bold now. So I'm glad it's official. I couldn't agree more. It's a perfect fit, and he seems to have a love for Batman that was evident in the Flash. So yeah, br bring it on. I will say of the projects of the DCU docket, The Brave and the Bold was the one I am looking forward to the most. And I saw what I saw from The Flash just reinforced that, yeah, Muschietti's the guy. Just let him let him do Batman. After seeing The Flash, just let him do Brave and the Bold. Let him bring Damian Wayne to live action. And I hope I'm keeping my fingers crossed. They're doing, they're doing Grant Morrison stuff. Just do mm -hmm. crazy ninja man bad assassins. Please. Yes. 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 I, yes. I think if we were ever going to see Man Bat in a live action film, it would be this. I would I hope so. Like Guns DCU is going to be that that fantasy DC that we're kind of been looking for because we haven't had that. So this will be something different. It's now or never. Yeah, it's now or never, especially with this story, the Batman and Son story. Mm. Give us some Man Bats, or at least exactly. one Man Bat. Well, I'd be I'll happy with what I'd okay. be happy if it was just Dr. Kirk Langstrom yeah. working for the League of Shadows. Oh, yeah, that. that 100%. 100%. For me. No. 100%. I would be cool if like he's just Kirk Langstrom throughout the film, but then at the end something happens. Oh, he's man bat now. That's cool with me. Like the final fight or something. That's cool. Yeah, that works. That works for me. Works, works for me. But yeah. I, I think Andy is a great choice for this. We, uh, if you've seen The Flash, which I hope you have because we're going to get into a lot of spoilers. But if you've seen the movie, he seems to love Batman. I think it's pretty clear he likes him. Yeah, he likes spending time in Gotham City. And I would also just add, especially for any horror fans, 
you look at it and and even it chapter two, he knows how to work with a a a younger cast, and certainly that is going to be a dynamic with uh with with Damien. And just from kind of a, a, an interesting coming of age stories, those movies are another perfect example. So he my, also knows how to plug. work with the future Joker that I'm sure he's going to announce any day now, Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Manifestation circles. Thursday the seven guys. Well, no, yeah. well, I, I think, um, and we could dive into this more in a few minutes when we talk to Flash, but. One of the aspects I liked about Batman and the Flash was both the Affleck version and the Keaton version lamented about how they were alone. The choices they made, mm-hmm. they ended up mm-hmm. alone. Yeah. So I like the idea of that being a starting point for the brave and the bold Batman. And then, crap, I have a son. I'm no longer alone. And now I have to adjust. I think it'll be a really good emotional story and not something we've seen before on a film. Yeah, I, I, I co-sign on everything you guys just said. I mean... Like like Phil mentioned, Muschietti with the It movies showcases not only he can handle an ensemble cast, but also showcase that he can take, you know, younger characters and and take them on a bit of a developmental journey. And I think with the character of introducing Damian Wayne, who's the vast opposite of what a traditional Batman is, you know, <laughs> anyone who's read Batman and Son knows uh, Damian Wayne's pretty crafty with a katana. So um, <laughs> it's it's going to be interesting to see how he develops his version of Batman. Cause obviously, you know, getting to handle two or more Batman in this movie, it was, it's very clear that he, he should have been the guy for that project. And it's very funny to me that that project has more traction than a movie that's supposed to come out before it, the authority. So. That's a good mm. point too. I, I, but you know, Batman is Batman. He right. Sells. Right. Batman You're sells. right. You're absolutely right. You know, and another thing, Anthony mentioned uh, Bill Skarsgård, which I'm completely on board with for the Joker. But since we're getting a fully formed Bat family, potentially we'd get a Batgirl too. Mm. He's already worked with Sophia Lillis, I think is mm. her name. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I think she'd be perfect for Barbara. Oh, I am uh, manifesting Sadie Sink for okay. Barbara. Oh, no, that, no, that's that. She would be good too. She would be very good. I I assume. I mean, it depends what age he goes with for Batman, but Barbara would probably be what like college age. I would think so. Yeah, I would. Think yeah, so. I mean, if. Damien's the, the young and being introduced, then yeah, I'd have to imagine that Dick Grayson and maybe Tim and Jason are probably well established as, you know, Nightwing, mm-hmm. possibly Red Hood, possibly Red Robin, respectively. And if there are any Batgirls, yeah, I could probably see Barbara Gordon being there as either Oracle or Batgirl, or maybe even operating with other Batgirls like Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Kane. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That'd be fun. I, sure. I would like that. That'd be interesting. I kind of am hoping it's the, uh, more traditional. I'm excited for the Bat Family, but I hope it's a scaled back Bat Family. If that makes sense, give yeah. them Nightwing, Robin, Batgirl, Damian Wayne, and Red Hood. Like those five, I don't need. It's grown so much in recent years. I'm happy with those five. My guess is it will be streamlined just for the general audience's uh, perspective. But yeah, I mean, bring it on. I mean, we've we've been waiting for a fully formed bat family for a long time. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that we haven't had a Robin since 1997. And yes, I'm not mentioning 2012, but you know, we'll put that aside for another day. Um, that may never come. No, it may never come. Right. <laughs> That's right. No, but I, I, I'm pumped. I, I am pumped. And it's just for a Batman fan, we're, 
we're winning right now. So that's that, that's a major victory. You know, I'm happy we're getting a Robin who's not going to be a 30 year old orphan that <laughs> right. No, well, yeah, yeah, there's, there's that too. Yeah, there's I don't that. even like the Bat Family. Really, I'm excited for this movie. I really I, only like Damien. Other I than think, that, I I don't care about the rest of them. I think they're going to make Damien no no older than 13, 14. I think that's uh, that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to make him a legitimate teenager this time around. I Young hope so. Team, something like that. I think you have the Damien is my favorite Robin, and I think you have to go young like like that with him because if you don't see the journey that he exactly. goes on, the character doesn't matter. Exactly, it's just another kid yeah. in a Robin suit. You got to see him start out as this murderous little brat mm-hmm. into well, how did, something like a hero. How did James Gunn describe him? A little shit, right? Those are the words right. he used. He's yeah, a he's little shit. Wrong. He's not wrong, but to your point, Chris, it is about the journey, mm-hmm. and I am so excited to see the relationship that a 13-year-old little shit not only has with <laughs> Batman, but Alfred with, yep. uh, you yeah. know, you talk about the back family, Dick and Barbara, who have been through this and are more mature, they're going to essentially be the older siblings that this yeah. kid is, like, annoying the crap out of. I think it's going to yeah. be a really cool, fun, different dynamic that audiences will really take to, if done right. And I think Andy Muschietti's guy can do it right. That's the one project I really only have a lot of sites set on outside of Waller, Swamp Thing, and what was the other one? Green Lantern, to the, the Lantern show that they're mm. developing. So That's kind of a smooth transition. You mentioned Swamp Thing, and we have a director for Swamp Thing also, I believe, in James Mangold, and he made some comments about it recently. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head. You guys, I think, do? He essentially said, paraphrasing, that uh, he doesn't know DC's plans. He's sure DC is planning for sequels. But he is viewing the Swamp Thing movie as a standalone gothic horror film, and he's throwing it all into one movie. And I'm happy with that approach. One, I love the idea of a gothic horror film. Yeah. Yes, give me that all day, every day. But two, I like, you know, I'm excited for the connected universe, but at the same time, I like Christopher Nolan's uh, ideology here, where you don't save anything for the sequel. You give it all in one film, and then plan for the sequel that's what i want like give me a full beginning middle and end swamp thing story and then we can worry about a sequel if it does well no co-sign that absolutely yeah i like james mangold as director um i think i'll probably see indiana jones next week i don't know i might not be able to but i do like logan i think logan's one of the better Mm -hmm. comic book films that's been made in the past decade uh, I mm-hmm. think he 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 t- he does a really good job of of taking solo characters on on these really rough journeys that that kind of put them through the ringer, and I think doing something like that with Swamp Thing, but under the guise of like a, a a gothic horror setting, is is intriguing because then that I think that idea in and of itself coming from him is, is almost vastly different than anything he's done before on film, and that mm. also includes his upcoming Star Wars film the 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 first jedi or the the first birth of the force or something like that i don't know oh, yeah. what exactly what it's called but yeah. that general idea of the film that he has there you know I, I i like that he's really getting to branch out and and really showcase what what he's capable of just with those two projects alone and, and swamp thing that's an interesting character because he's got a couple different ties in a couple different ways i remember specifically reading about him in uh the earth two book from robinson james robinson mm. 
way back in the new 52 days. James Mangold is great at taking characters on these journeys. I see that one meme circulating all the time on Twitter, how there people are like, if they ever want to get Tobey Maguire for one last Spider-Man movie, have James Mangold do the Logan-esque Spider-Man for bring back mm-hmm. an old man, Tobey Maguire, him and Mary Jane, Mary yeah, with kids. That would be amazing. <laughs> so I'm also manifesting that. So Just the don't accuse me of being a Marvel hater. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I like that idea of him putting it all in one film. I mean, I'm sure if it's a success, there will be multiple entries and other iterations. But I, I like that idea of, of just focusing on the one film. If, if if there's any lesson that can be taken from most recently, the the Batman, I think, put everything into one movie. And then if you're lucky enough to get a, a part two and beyond, yeah, go nuts. But make the very best film that you can the first time. Don't don't save anything. Absolutely. Co-sign on that. And that goes for any story, I think, based oh, on yeah. any fictional character. Definitely. Oh, yeah. uh, it, and that's the way you have to approach it, I think. Just focus on the one. That doesn't mean lock out the shared universe aspects. Right. You could do no. it with that still in mind. But focus on making a good movie first and foremost. Yeah. Don't focus on toys. Don't focus no. on sequels. <laughs> Make a movie. But I think that I'm the most torn about Mangold out of us on here. Because while I love his work, I also worry that he doesn't really like comic book stuff. So what is his Swamp Thing going to be like? You know, is he going to shy away from those aspects? Or is he fully embracing it because it's Swamp Thing and you kind of have to? I think the latter, purely Mm. because I think James Gunn is going to be involved. He's going to he's setting up the aesthetic. He's going to tell him has to look a certain way, feel a certain way. But I have no doubt we're going to get a dark, introspective, tortured slump thing. Looking based on, yeah. (laughs) But that fits for the character. That dark, uh, tortured introspectiveness fits with Swamp Thing, who is, you know, he views himself as a monster more so than a hero. One day we need to watch and review Swamp Thing too. (laughs) Mm, Yes. Do it. If you guys have not seen it, it is a time. Just, it's it a is time. a time. It is. A, that's a good idea, Chris. That, that that's a future episode right there. Yeah, maybe we'll do one and two because one is vastly better. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Heads and shoulders. <laughs> uh, speaking of Swamp Thing, though, I mean, I know here the the joke is we're manifesting Bill Skarsgård for the Joker, but <laughs> there is that rumor going around that, that the role he's supposedly up for in the DCU is Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. That yep, is true. I saw that rumor. Yeah. I'd almost prefer if it was. Alex Skarsgård. Yeah. Alexander Skarsgård. I would also yeah. prefer his brother. Mm. I could see that, but I, you look at Bill Skarsgård's eyes, he has very emotive eyes, which he I does. think Swamp Thing is going to need for any actor playing him under all the makeup. Very true. I'd be good either way. Skarsgård's Skarsgård boys are good in my book. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You, you can't lose there. Can't no, lose there. Really can't. Isn't there another one, too? There are. We I, were looking one. this up at work the other day. There Stella are Scar-Scar. seven Skarsgård children. I thought there was six or wow. seven. Yeah. Wow. I and Stella, Stellan's the father. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's, I was thinking of Stellan. Yeah. I thought he was a brother for some reason, because I knew there were more than... Maybe get Stellan a swamp. Thing. That'd be interesting. There you go. Really <laughs> change Ooh. it up. Yeah. That, do a logan S story with him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious. That's... Get us some Skarsgård boys in this. There we go. <laughs> I kind of like that idea now. Yeah, it's not bad. Swamp yeah, Thing forever, just, right? Just put all of them in the movie. Just make the Swamp Thing a Skarsgård movie. Multiverse of Swamp Thing. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, that... Make all the Skarsgård the army of man bats in The Brave and the Bull. 
Oh, yes. oh, there we go. That's <laughs> we, we, we've we found the solution right there, right there. I think that works though. That that, that works. So by including Damien, you, you'd have to imagine Rachel Ghoul's got to play a part to some extent too. I expect Grandpa and Mommy to not be far behind. Exactly right. Yeah, like, same Talia same, same not, thought process. I, I expect Talia, but I don't know if we'll see Rage because we've seen him so much. Rage kind of went from. The villain only comic book fans really know. And I don't mean that as like a gatekeeper gatekeeper kind of way. I'm saying he wasn't like well known, but he's been in so many other forms of media now. He, everybody knows Raish, and I think he's a character we have had our fill of. While that's true, it's been twenty years since Ra's al Ghul's been in a Batman movie. That's crazy. Yeah. Twenty twenty five. Yeah. It'll be about twenty yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Which that's is crazy. True. Plus then we could get the more comic book version with the Lazarus Pit if they're establishing this more fantastical world. You know, I want that, but I also want him to have a scimitar. Yeah. <laughs> he needs to have a scimitar yeah. like in the animated series. I, yeah. I would certainly hope that that's just in his in his sheath or in his scarf, something just... And Ubu. Yes. Ubu's a must. Oh, oh yeah, Ubu. I want please. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Yes. So I, I guess we've established Stellan Skarsgård goes into Lazarus Pit, pit as Rache and comes out as Alexander. Yes. There we go. Oh man, that'd be yes. <laughs> okay, cool. We're making deals as we go on. We've clarified we've cleared that up. Perfect. There we go. I Just... think now it's time to get to the main course though. Well, we are talking about multiverses. So yeah. Yes. It's fitting. It's, it's fitting. I think we're moving to the flash. Um for this, I think it's it'll be more therapeutic <laughs> if we get our negatives of the movie out first. That's fair. I Some of that's... us have more than others. So let's get those out, and we'll work our way to the positives. There we go. And on a positive note, I like that. Well, we still got to get to the reception, but we'll, we'll do some- Yeah, no, We're going to do our best. <laughs> We're building up, folks. We're building up. Yes. Building momentum. That's Whoever right. wants to go first, fire away. Phil one, why don't you go first? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Ba- Barry one. <laughs> yeah, Barry Prime. one. <laughs> oh, I should create- This is when Phil's collide, by the way. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> You're really getting your fill today, so um, <laughs> uh, double fill. There we go, double <laughs> fill. Uh, um, so I I really enjoyed this film. I'm going to start off by saying that, and, and again, you know, listeners, you can put down your virtual, uh, you know, pitchforks and torches um, because I, I really had a good time with this film. I think I, I think some of the the criticisms and the and the I I don't want to use the the word hate, but but there, there is definitely some negativity towards this film, and I think some of it is unjustified. But that all being said, it is not perfect. It is not a perfect film, and while it is a love letter to DC fans, it is not a love letter to the general audience. And I think as time has gone on, I can see what people's points are. For example, the the cameo sequences... I'm going to just start with that right now. I think it's fantastic. It's it's a nice nod to all the DC lore and things that have come beforehand. But for a general audience, it's like, what the hell is going on? I went with a group of people who were, you know, they're they're Batman fans, but but by no means steeped in the 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 mythology of uh, of DC. And their immediate reaction was, what the hell is Nicolas Cage doing here? Like, you know, again. It's it's great if you know that stuff, which we all know it. We know the lore. It's like, oh, my God, this is an amazing moment. But people were genuinely 
confused like wait he's superman what what's going on i mean to say nothing of the confusion about why is ben affleck here i thought robert pattinson and wait michael keaton is batman i think for for the general audience it was too much to swallow with multiverses i think we've had our fill of multiverses um while i do think this was a better explanation of the multiverse uh, than we've seen in some films. I, I think as a story gimmick, it's really run its course right now. And the only other thing I will say, I mean, I'll certainly jump on any points that, that come along. The real issue I have with this movie, and it's it's not the biggest thing, but it's a little thing. It's the ending. The, the, the George Clooney situation, like, it was funny, and I was like, oh, that's that's a, a cool joke. But the more that time has gone on, I'm like, okay, okay, that was a choice. That was a choice to end with George Clooney, to remind folks about arguably one of the worst Batman performances from arguably one of the worst Batman movies, let alone movies of all time. I'm not sure that was a great way to end the movie because whatever momentum was there – I felt just flatlined when George Clooney showed up. My personal preference, I'd have rather had the Keaton uh, Kaye ending that was originally shot, apparently. If they weren't going to go that, which, like, I don't really understand, like, we're going to take out Keaton, but we're going to put in Clooney because that makes sense. You know, from what you guys saw at the, the CinemaCon cut version, that would have been the what, better way to go. Leave it ambiguous. Because, I could offer some insight here, if I may, fail to the Yeah, go, go jump ahead, yeah. Uh, because, and this is another knock against the movie, because this, uh, it's either Hollywood Reporter or Variety explained the thinking with the Clooney ending, but... Um, it was Hollywood Reporter. Hollywood Reporter. Second of all, the idea is now bury the Dan Wines to Keaton and Kai ending, because they scrapped those plans for the DC Universe. Uh, they didn't want to use the ambiguous ending... Because they were afraid that people would assume Barry was Ezra Miller's Barry was moving into the right. new universe, and that's a new Batman. So they went Clooney, but the idea is okay. Now Flash is in the Batman and Robin universe, and the remaining DCEU films, including Aquaman, take place in that universe. And that's almost the worst joke of all. <laughs> you know, I, like, you know, I, you know. Oh man, that's, Phil, that's you and I. And again, that doesn't come across on screen. Like, general audiences aren't going to make that jump. Now, I'm going to defend the Clooney ending, having sure. seen both the ambiguous ending and the Clooney ending. I think the Clooney ending worked. My theater, full of people who are probably not the biggest comic book fans or, you know, whatever, they went nuts when Clooney showed up on screen. I thought it was a nice way. I loved The Flash overall. So I thought George Clooney showing up in an actually good DC movie as Bruce Wayne was a nice little quote-unquote redemption for him a little bit. He got to be in a good DC movie. I liked it. I thought it was funny. What have you. Okay. I thought I thought for the longest time all week since I feel exactly, almost the exact same way that Phil One feels about George Clooney being in The Flash that killed the movie for me. I was the only one in my audience who did not laugh. My head was in my hands. I felt 
just absolutely just flatline. That's the best way you said it best, Phil. One like it, I was flatlined. I was like, "There's no way they actually went through with this." Oh my goodness, they actually did it. And honestly, I would have preferred keep it ambiguous, yeah. keep it just because we know there's a different Bruce Wayne coming anyway. But the right. fact that they had to go and utilize George Clooney. Not that I have anything against George Clooney. I think he's a great actor. Same, but, absolutely. But but like the idea of swapping Ben Affleck with George freaking Clooney is just like no. We, th- this is what tanked Batman and Robin in 1997 and yet here we are in 2023 and th- we're we're going to like just say Hey, goodbye. Here's George Clooney. It's a nice gag and joke, right? And to find out that was a James Gunn decision, it, it's funny because every time I feel like I see something from James Gunn creatively, even going back to the Suicide Squad, I feel like I'm Mark Hamill reading the script from The Last Jedi. I fundamentally disagree with a lot of things that man does. <laughs> that's where that's kind of how I feel about certain things in regards to James Gunn and DC. Just some insight there. But <laughs> as and as far as the Flash film itself. It has great things in it. It has great performances in it. The CGI is, I'm sure we'll talk about it. There are, but the heart of the story with Barry and his mom, mm-hmm. all of that stuff worked. Mm-hmm. It just really sucks for me that that ending just went, nope. In a way, in a way to, in a way to bounce off what you said there, how it's the worst joke of all. It is funny that this is theoretically, <laughs> I mean, they just released a big, art for the box set of the DCU. This is yeah. the last, theoretically, the last DCEU film, and they end it by bringing back the most loathed Batman on film exactly. for the final shot. So it is, in a way, a big... It is almost an FU to the hardcore fan. In a lot of ways. I mean, you know, Clooney nearly killed it the first time. Why not come back and finish the job? I mean, no, I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, again, where it really hit me was the second time. It was like the first time. Okay, oh look, George Clooney's showing up. Oh, let's all have a good laugh. And then the second time, I, I I'm with you, Phil. It really, I was just gobsmacked. It's like, yeah, no, this this was not the ending I would have chosen. It, it was nope. a choice. This was a choice ending. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I hate the ending. I, I don't mind Clooney, really, but. Having having seen the CinemaCon version where you don't see a Bruce, I think that ambiguous type of ending would have been the way to go. Mm-hmm. And you guys mentioned that they thought it would confuse audiences. Well, guess what? I was talking to a friend earlier. This is a very, very timely conversation tonight. Mm-hmm. A friend earlier did not realize George Clooney was not the Batman going forward. Yeah. He hmm. assumed... That is the new Batman. So I think with this kind of ending, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So with that in mind, why not just put Affleck back? Why not just keep the Keaton ending? Why not just cut it before you see the Bruce? Where did it matter? Why did you bring back George Clooney? That is was funny, a, but I feel like that might have been the smartest option. Not have Bruce in it at all. Maybe get the phone call. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. The voice is yeah. ambiguous. Yeah. And yeah, it ends with the flesh. Yeah. I think, or you know what, even do like a thing sort of like in Snyder's Justice League where you just see him running with the voiceover. Yep. Do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or even like yep. the Schumacher thing where they used to run from the signal. Yeah, yeah. Like that would oh. be Flash. Oh. You know? 
Uh, and I'm not and like again. I don't hate the ending. I thought it was fun, but I think it's one of the cases in this movie where there were better ways to go, and maybe that was one of the better ways to go by not showing, like you guys have said, the worst Batman or considered the honestly by a lot. <laughs> to kind of piggyback on that point on the film as a whole, you know, and even to jump on Phil's point, I think I think general audiences are getting kind of. not tired of the multiverse movie but with across the spider-verse happening literally two weeks ago Mm -hmm. and multiverse of madness loki season two coming up like yeah i i feel like that 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 story plot point is becoming so prominent and even looking at at marvel's future on the side right now like you know they're utilizing the multiverse in a lot of different ways and i think dc kind of intends to do the same given they also have an elseworlds banner too Mm -hmm. but like i think the flash film was a also always going to be a difficult one to do because you have to set an entire film around a speedster and that's going to follow for a lot of efx number one number mm-hmm. two do you guys think the story they did might have been too big for the flash's first cinematic outing yes it, it would have made more sense as the flashes it's a capper to a flash trilogy i believe yeah, I but i i think it was a choice they it was always intended to end off the universe and reboot the new one which it didn't really do it left us in no position what's happening in the new universe so it didn't really it didn't really feel like anything was reset we're we're no more than we were six months ago right yeah Yeah. exactly you know there were other versions of this before um andy came on and and did it yeah there was not going to be flashpoint you know it was going to be flash versus some villains (laughs) Mm-hmm. And then it kept evolving and evolving into, okay, it's Flashpoint now and we're ending the universe, so let Barry do it the way he did it in the comics. That sounds cool. And for all intents and purposes, it works, I think. But I... at the same time, they don't put that final stamp on it to let you know it's over. <laughs> now you yeah. have more questions, like, okay, so Clooney's <clears throat> Batman, right, guy? Right. <laughs> well, yeah. well you're, they're going to have to really get creative with the marketing when mm-hmm. it comes to the new DCU. Um, yeah, I forget I who tweeted it out, but they're going to have to do stuff in trailers, like from like the James Gunn. From James Gunn comes a new vision yes. of yeah. the cinematic that, DC yeah. universe. Yeah. That was our yep. friend Adam Leapspan, and I agree with that. You need mm-hmm. to put that in front of the marketing. Yeah. Some people are going to say no because screw shared universes. If you're going to do it, you need to make it different. Exactly. It, even think, even just if it wasn't a shared universe, people need to know it's not the same Superman, not the same right. Batman, not Batman. the same Flash, Wonder Woman, whoever. Like, it is clear, if there's one thing that's clear from the box office, and I know we'll go into this in greater detail later, mm-hmm. it's that the DCU, the DC brand is tarnished right now with general audiences. And, you know, we've discussed on the show, what can you keep, what can you not? If I was James Gunn right now, seeing these numbers, if I was Zaslav seeing these numbers... Throw out the baby with the bathwater, get rid of it all, and start from scratch. And I mean everyone, and I know it's not going to happen, but I mean Waller, Harley, Peacemaker, whoever. Get Can't rid disagree. of them all Can't disagree. and start from scratch. I can't Because they disagree. all are carrying that stench of the failed universe. I, I agree with that. I agree yeah, with that. I can't disagree with that. I mean, it seems kind of unfair for those of us who have been invested since Man of Steel to now mm-hmm. see, oh, yeah. Peacemaker, Amelia Harcourt, Amanda Waller, uh, John Economos, uh, you know, basically everyone from the Suicide Squad who lived. And yeah, that's about it. They're all carrying over into this. Oh, maybe Shazam, but not Black Adam. 
It's like, but Shazam well, made less money than Black Adam. But okay, that makes sense, I guess. I I don't think Shazam is. If you look at the box set, Shazam's in the box set of the DCEU they're releasing. The only yeah. ones not are the Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad films and Birds yep. of Prey. And Birds of Prey, which is yeah, Harley. Birds of Prey's not yeah. in there? That's interesting. Yeah. It's not, yeah, the, the three films featuring Harley Quinn are not featured in that box set, which is really funny. Curious. <laughs> okay, well, other than the ending, do you guys have any other negatives for the movie? Um, yes. The CGI. Okay. Uh, Phil, Phil, too, kind of touched on it when he was talking. CGI was rough for me. And I'm not talking... I I didn't like the Speed Force CGI. I know that was a choice. That was an artistic choice. Didn't work for me, but I'm not complaining was, about that. It was questionable in certain spots. Some shots look great. Other shots didn't look too great. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. But for the me, main CGI was the Flash CGI. Like yeah. the babies at the beginning. Yeah. The Zod CGI somehow looked worse than Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like the whole opening with the baby sequence, as Phil One says, it's a choice. And I feel like you could have done something else with the flash of him saving people but not have it look like a giant video game mess you know like i think one of our friends on the four nerds said yesterday that they could have done something different where the flash is like saving people while batman is chasing through traffic essentially Mm -hmm. i don't know something something to that effect i'm i'm not too sure but it was definitely a choice now were they going to put actual babies in this movie in to try and put in slow motion no i don't think so but again it was a choice those babies didn't look good and him kind of peeking through time with his head was like that mm, it it reminded mm, me of thing from mm. thor love and thunder it looked better than that but i can understand that that's a good point chris yeah i i will say in defense of the hospital scene at the beginning CGI aside, that in all the top times I've seen The Flash now, mm-hmm. uh, that always gets a huge reaction. That seems to be a crowd pleaser with the audiences I've been. I, I think it's fun. I think the CGI is wonky, but I think the scene itself is fun. And I like seeing Barry, I don't say nicer because it's not like we've seen him mean, but I like seeing Barry try to take care of these babies. And the way he yeah. does it is sort of fun. Mm. But would I have changed it? Probably. But I like it as is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's okay. It, it, it works, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's. A, a little, little wonky. It's much. crafty and wonky at the same time. The yeah. microwave baby, we probably shouldn't. That was <laughs> again. That yeah. was a choice. That yeah. was yeah. a choice. That is, that is a definite choice. Yeah. Put the baby in the microwave. Yeah, weird yeah. visual. Very weird visual. I did actually like. There were two moments in this movie that remind me of Man of Steel in a good way, and one that reminds me of it in kind of a head nod kind of way. When you get the footage of Barry actually there during mm-hmm. the the terraforming, and he saved a kid, but he couldn't save the kid's dad. That I appreciated. Mm-hmm. But when they redo Zod's message, they reshot it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. that that was, I don't know that that really worked for me. I feel like they could have just reused footage from Man of Steel and got the same message across. I don't know why they did do that. I yeah. thought you should just use the one that we had because it worked fine. Why did you redo it? Bingo. You know, you know what was interesting to me about the Barry being there, which I loved. I loved that, by the way. But then when Zod attacks in this timeline, they show the kid and father again, but there's no resolution to that. Like, you I don't know, go, yeah. they're going to die, or he's, he's going to save them this time. Yeah. But it's it good. was just a weird choice that they didn't, quote-unquote, resolve that. That didn't have a payoff. In yeah, I kept waiting for the payoff. Well, I guess, wouldn't the payoff be that they all survive when Barry goes back and doesn't change things? Honestly, I feel like the implication that since Barry changed the timeline and he wasn't there to save them, they probably perished i thought the implication was this timeline was always going to be destroyed anyway there's that too yeah death is all around us i suppose um 
I I will say though, when we're talking about complaints, speaking of like them redoing things for Man of Steel, I'm glad they brought back Feyora mm-hmm. and the Kryptonian giant and Zod. Yeah. I wish they would have brought back um Law and Order guy. Law and Order guy, oh, Swan Swanwick. Maloney, Swanwick, and then the scientist. Mm-hmm. Oh, Neil Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. Like just know. for continuity's sake. They could have been there. You, yeah. you only need like it for two the, seconds. Vayor could have killed them right away. Yeah, at the very least, like Swanwick and, and Colonel Hardy could have been there. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, a little bit of a nice little United nod. I think One of my... needs... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Anthony. I was just going to say, this is a nitpick. Not really a complaint, but a nitpick. What you got? They never... You don't see the Batmobile in action. They recreated the best Batmobile. They just for show. Just now. Yeah, just for show. show. It's just on the toys. poster, the Batman poster. No. They have a million toys. No. It doesn't leave the Batcave. No. You... I can't... I can't you don't, believe that. Yeah, you don't bring the Batmobile back, that Batmobile, and not use it. You have to at least use it once. Well, especially, this is very likely the last time we see Keaton and his world. Yep. Yeah. And they wasted it. Like, you don't give the Batmobile one last ride? I couldn't believe that. I was shocked. According to Michael, or sorry, according to Kevin Smith, Michael Usman wasn't at the premiere for The Flash because he was waiting to see the numbers for it. Because had the numbers been good, they would have done a Batman Beyond movie with Keaton as old man Bruce Wayne. So I don't know if I feel I like that though. Yeah. Because I feel like every time a movie fails, we always get well, if it would have worked, guess what yep. else we would have got? That's, no, that's true. That's true. That's we would have got Batman on the moon fighting Rachel Ghoul for the soul of Gotham. <laughs> it's like, okay. That's true. I think for me, because I, I love the movie. I don't have too many negatives, but one that stands out to me is Barry didn't learn anything. Mm. We know he didn't mm-hmm. learn anything because he still goes back and screws and, with the cans. Yeah. So just, to, just to clear his dad's name, you're right. Right, we go through this whole journey with them where he realizes, I can't keep doing this, I can't keep screwing with stuff, and then he still does it. So that's that's one nitpick I have or complained. The other is, I, I just see Jai as a choice, I agree, but this is something that came out after the fact that's bugging me. And I know that this might be predictable coming from me, but for the Nicolas Cage cameo, they had him in a suit that was actually Nicolas Cage. They rebuilt the suit from Superman. Oh, wow. Death of Superman. They they paid to have that suit made. They put Nicolas Cage in the suit, and then they made him look like a PS1 character. And I don't understand the logic there. You know, you actually yeah. just reminded me of one of my gripes with this movie, and I honestly was not a fan of seeing george or christopher reeve up there not that i don't appreciate that's the other thing Christ, christopher reeve as superman or anything like that but i just think that there's something to be said about using an actor who's no longer here in a movie especially more in the case for george reeve than christopher reeve because mm-hmm. christopher reeve was obviously very very endeared in being superman even up until the time that he passed away like he he was still just such a kind nice person right and kept that persona in george reeve's case like after reading up and finding out like what happened with with him in regards to what happened with superman and how it led to not getting other roles and how that affected him ultimately it was it just really felt disingenuous and I feel like I, I understood it because obviously this film is hinging on like the multiverse and obviously they're paying homage like Batman and Superman. They're the giant pillars of DC, et cetera. But it's like at the same time, you could have shown maybe Brandon Routh. You could have shown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really wonder why they didn't include 
another Flash. Bingo. Like the, That's uh, what I was going to yeah. say. Why like, the focus on Superman so much in the Speed Force when we've had multiple Flash actors? Why didn't yeah. we see... Yes. Yeah, all John of them. Wesley John Wesley Shipp. Shipp- yeah. Why He's right there. Grant or- Gustin. Grant like Gustin. Yeah. Or maybe a different Batman instead of Adam West. Maybe well, a different yeah. Superman that we don't know. A different Wonder Woman. Show us an Aquaman. Show us like a blonde Why, do, why didn't we see Linda Carter? She's yeah. alive and she's game. Yeah. She still loves doing Wonder Woman stuff. It, there were just a lot of creative also, choices in, in this that just felt... Look, the, the Speed Force is not what I expected. And this is a, this is a game of expectations, right? Yeah. Like... I, I disappointed myself by being convinced I knew what the Speed Force was going to be. I thought it was going to be him running back through time and we get flashes of these other universes. Yeah. Um, you know, like maybe we would have seen like uh, Adam West and Christopher Reeve close to one another. Like they could have done cool stuff like that. We saw a universe where they were together, but like right. I feel like it was almost a missed opportunity what they did with the Speed Force. And and you're right. There is something to be said about it's kind of ghoulish bringing back these deceased actors. Um, at least in the case of Christopher Reeve's family, they signed off on it. So yes. I'll give them that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but to go back to Chris's point about Nick Cage looking like a PS1 character, Helen Slater came back to shoot that scene. Yep. Oh, she was there too? She yeah. was there. And she also looked like a bad what PS1 character. What was the thought process yeah. behind that? Okay. It was just bizarre. After seeing both Zack Snyder's Justice League and The Flash in IMAX, I think I can say safely that the depiction of the Speed Force in the former was depicted better than the latter. I agree with that. Like, and and you know what? That's not even like a knock to Muschietti at all. But clearly they both had very different ideas of how the Speed Force operated. So. It's kind of like James Wan's Atlantis, Snyder's yep. Atlantis. Yep. Yeah. Kind of that's 100%. Yep. That's a good Well, point. yeah. And that's the problem. That's why I feel it's been the problem with the DCU changing visions over the course of the oh, 10 yeah. years. Yeah. Like, like oh, Marvel, yeah. like, I love that WB has a history of supposedly being director driven. But if you're having a shared universe, you do need a shared uh, palette. Right, you need to share. You need to be in agreement of at least what these worlds look like, what certain effects look like, yeah. and they just never established that as the DCEU kept changing and they brought in new directors. They all kept doing their own thing. So even though it was connected, it felt so disconnected. They did no, it their way. I think the most fluid... <laughs> they did it their way. <laughs> I think the most fluid connected stuff, arguably, you'd pro- you could probably say is Man of Steel. Batman v Superman, Ultimate Edition, Zack Snyder's Justice League, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. Those five films feel the most connected to each other, especially Snyder's trilogy, obviously. But but the first Wonder Woman and the first Aquaman film really do feel like even branches that branched off from the roots of that trilogy, personally. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. Yeah. How do we feel about, um, since this is the end of the DCEU, right? I mean, Aquaman, is I it? Will, really will be. Like, is but it? Ha- yeah, right. How do how do we feel that Gal Gadot's and Ben Affleck's send-offs here? I personally think that the last time we see Affleck is fantastic, in my opinion. He says that line, maybe next time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But it I sounds agree. like, there's not going to be a next time, Ben. Damn it. But um, I really love that scene. So I think his send-off is great. Um, same with Gals. I think she does fine. I, I like I like the scene of them all, the three of them together. That's a fun scene. That is a fun scene. And I actually really like the whole idea of the Justice League exists. Alfred yeah. can contact all of mm-hmm. them. 
Yep. And but Barry is the last choice. Like he tried right. Superman first, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and now he's stuck with the Flash. I love that. And I'm glad like we also got Aquaman in this movie, even if it is a post credit a stupid post credit scene. I like it. Oh man, that post credit sequence. I really wish Cavill had showed up for two seconds somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, just a a brief glimmer, you know. Just a high. They yeah. could have easily okay. had him and Momoa show up during that opening sequence. Like, okay, they finally like Wonder Woman. They were late, and they had a one yeah. scene as the Justice League together. Yeah, cool if, like Clark just flew there just as they it was over, and they were standing on the bridge. Like, did I miss it? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Fun. Yeah, or Aquaman could have popped up out of the water. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, or maybe the bomb thing. Dro- Dropped and Aquaman grabs. Them. Oh, oh! Now, now I want to say that. Now I want to say that. Aquaman grabs the bomb as Wonder Woman manages to lasso the criminal that Batman dropped. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then Super- again, Superman comes at the end. Did I miss it? Superman could have pulled problems. Batman up again, like yeah. he did in Justice League. There you go. <laughs> Tag wish, team it. I do wish Ray Fisher would have been in this movie. That would have been nice. I think it would be cool to get everybody just yeah. one last time. Just one last, last time. One last go. One last, one last ride. It, it does really bug me that that he should have been in that movie and he was removed from it for reasons unknown but that that's just it when it comes to those changing visions and the revolving door of dc film heads and just people that are just not should not be fit for positions of power it's just a you know a w- unfortunate whirlwind of being a dc fan <laughs> I'll I'll say this about Andy Muschietti. Obviously, this was his vision, right? But he also had to compete. I mean, you read the articles. In the, even after he signed on, the studio kept mandating different things, yep, like yep, what they wanted yep. this movie to be. So the fact that it changed so much during production for him, the fact that we got as good a movie as we did is a credit to his skill as a director. Which, in turn, I would certainly hope they just let him go unleashed on Batman Brave and the Bold. Just let him do his thing. Don't mandate any more sh- anything than you need to. It's Batman and Damien. Just let him do that. Exactly. And uh, too many cooks. Way too many cooks in the kitchen. Cooks. Yeah. But I, get, I think Anthony's got a really great point there. The fact that that Andy Muschietti rolled with all of those punches and yeah. still made something that was enjoyable. Exactly. I don't think anyone here outright hated the movie, but I mean, there's definitely some flaws. It's not. I don't think it's in the conversation of like greatest superhero film ever. But I do think it's in that upper tier of of good superhero movies that has heart and something to say. At at the end of the day, it did have something to say. I I agree with that, Phil. And and that's really, I think, one of the factors that hurt this movie. It was overhyped. I mean, when you call something one of the greatest comic book movies ever made, you have to have the goods. But if you're able to uncouple it from the hype and all the the buildup and noise. Yeah, it, it is an enjoyable film, and I would agree 100%. It, it's in that conversation of a of a damn good comic book movie. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Well, I loved it. I'll say that. Like, I don't believe it's one of the greatest ever, but I more than liked it. I loved it. And uh, if I can, I mean, unless people have more negatives, I can start getting into some positives. Say, I, I think that's a perfect segue. That's a good segue. That's a good segue. <laughs> It doesn't get better than that. Go ahead, Anthony. Sure. I will praise to the moon and back Ezra Miller's dual performances in this film. Triple. Triple. He was Dark Flash. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Good point. I I didn't realize that was him because he's was different. That was. That was indeed Ezra Miller portraying Dark Flash. They, They created three uniquely different 
Barry Allen's, and they all worked. And I thought it was such a cool idea for this not to be an origin story, but the origin to be told yeah. from the established Flash to the new Flash. And I thought that was cool. Good way of explaining the powers, how he got the powers. I thought it was a clever way, a clever take on the origin. Um, that's much needed in an oversaturated, some might say, superhero landscape where we get countless origin stories that are pretty paint by numbers. Yeah, I think for me, the one thing I keep thinking about, as as little amount as Dark Flash was in the film, ironically enough, I think the very presence and idea of that kind of speedster from the future just sets the stage for Eobard Thawne to come had there been a sequel to this. Mm-hmm. Because... You know, he even, at the end of the movie, he, he Dark Flash says to Flash, you were my hero, and now it's that's it. And then he kills younger Barry, if we're talking spoilers. I, I'm sure we've, actually, yeah, oh, yeah, we've been talking spoilers yeah. nonstop. But, yeah, spoilers we, we mentioned earlier. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, effectively, him killing himself, younger Barry, that concludes that, that circle, that timeline, that paradox, if you will. And the reverse Flash is a paradoxal character because... Him killing Barry's mom is a fixed point in time in DC history, and it can never be done or redone or erased. So therefore, the reverse Flash will always be an existing character, much like the Flash. Mm -hmm. So I I do think the Dark Flash concept and idea of, yes, you can create another timeline where this can happen, and you're led to deal with a darker version of yourself it really does kind of set the stage for someone from the future to be like he was a speedster i want to be a speedster it really does kind of writes itself and even the this movie takes on the idea of well i want to save my mom well the second film naturally would be well if i can't save my mom i want to find out who killed my mom and that i think is a kind of an interesting criticism from people i've seen around people are like well why didn't he just figure out who killed his mom in the first movie and it's just like because he just wanted to save his mom that right why why is that not so clear but I, anyway and i and i think they yeah, it was the hollywood reporter variety again confirmed and yeah. uh that that would have been the plot of the second movie we would exactly. have seen yeah. and andy himself confirmed it was reverse flash indeed because yeah. that you know everybody likes to talk after the fact right <laughs> but yeah and i loved just to go back to Ezra Miller's performance how different young barry was mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. older barry like i love the immaturity like mm-hmm. <laughs> i I found them really funny. The scene where he realizes he has the speed force and, you know, it's, it's brilliant. It's maybe it's so hilarious burning the clothes off and accidentally phasing through the floor and scaring the elderly neighbor downstairs. That thing was funny. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I like all that humor worked for me. The movie is, is genuinely funny. Like it's not one of those, Oh God! Here comes another joke. Like it, it really rises from the situation and and the characters. And I will just I will echo what you said, Anthony. I mean, Ezra Miller issues aside, I mean, th- this is a fantastic performance, and it really is one of the I would say it's one of the great comic book performances. And this is this was no easy feat because you're you're playing two versions of yourself and. I thought it was a nice commentary on, uh, you know, maybe perception of the Flash from other from other iterations, to then have him have it bouncing off of older Barry and, and and younger Barry. That that was a nice a nice little touch. I thought. I think one of the reasons Michael Keaton took on this project, not only to return to the idea of 
becoming Batman again. I think having the opportunity of watching another actor act opposite themselves might have reminded him of multi- multiplicity. Mm. So he does it very well in multiplicity. So I wonder yeah. if he gave tips. Like, hey, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's this. what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's a good point, Phil. That's a very good point. And like, truthfully, I I was really skeptical about how Keaton was going to factor into this. I mean, a seventy-year-old Batman. How is how exactly is that going to work? But to, again, to Muschietti's credit, he made it look believable to some yeah. extent. He made it look badass. I mean, the Keaton theme, all of it was just top-notch. It was it really really in, intriguing to see him back in that role and have him be like disheveled not really disheveled but just like he's got a beard he's withered he doesn't really care anymore because gotham's safe he doesn't need him anymore and the the funny thing is like barry was the one that brought him back to all of it for a completely different kind of reason that you'd ever expect for batman to return to being batman which i found actually pretty interesting one of my favorite scenes in the movie is actually when they first get to the manor and yeah. it's Ke- Keaton's fight scene with the two flashes, like yep. yes. as Bruce Wayne. That was so funny and so well done. And I love that it echoed too, like uh the way he threw the knife was similar to how Affleck threw the battery. Like, yeah. yeah. Yep. It was very cool, very well done. I love the needle drop in that scene. The Chicago yeah. song. Oh yeah. The needle drops throughout the movie were great. Oh, I agree. I love oh, yeah. the needle drops in this movie. Yep. That it gave it so much more personality, I think. Um, it I, I like when these movies have needle drops like that. I, I yeah. think it's it just cool. I'm actually kind of sad in the two DC movies where you have two characters literally riding lightning, not one of them featured Ride the Lightning by Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> That's a missed opportunity. That well, was a missed like opportunity. Thor never gets to kiss on God of Thunder either. No, that is that is true. Yeah, but they killed Sweet Child of Mine and Thor, you know what, I'm not going to keep going. <laughs> We'll have to do a, some kind of DC crossover to do Thor at some point. <laughs> um, I, you know, I was kind of skeptical about Keaton myself just because I don't love his performances. And uh, I enjoyed most of him in this. Um, I really love everything when he's in the suit. But one of my favorite scenes in the movie actually features him. It's the scene when Barry shows him the plan to get electrocuted again. Yep. And they have that, oh, yeah. that little moment with each other. That is cinematic gold. Yeah. And Keaton was just perfect in that scene. I really, really love that particular bit. And I also like the way he explains the multiverse because, like you guys mentioned, we've seen the multiverse so many times in movies now. Mm -hmm. And we've seen time travel a lot in movies. Mm -hmm. Yep. It doesn't always make sense. Like, I think Endgame makes zero sense. I love it, but it makes no sense. Thank you. Yep. Whereas this movie actually, to me, made sense. Like, I could understand... Okay, so you, you, you go back, you screw up both ends. Got it. Yep. You, it's not a back the, to the future yep. thing. The use of the spaghetti was very well done as a metaphor. Oh, that yes. was fantastic. And it's yeah. even more doubly ironic because his he was going to he he changed the entirety of the multiverse based on a can of tomatoes for spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. I didn't even really put it's, that together. It's so like <laughs> yep. I just thought about it after watching the movie. I was like, wow, that was just superbly on the nose yep. in, in the smartest way possible nice touch. nice touch you know another good point about that particular scene and this just shows bruce is a good guy he's about to eat the spaghetti he just hands it to, to barry too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i like that it's mm-hmm. a small moment i love the point on that the end of that scene too that you know uh he's like wait you're batman <sighs> Why do you think, you we're, think here? we're here? <laughs> I thought yeah. this was a cousin's dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> I would say all the humor worked for me in the movie. I didn't Same, find anything Chris. cringy except maybe the Clooney thing. But the rest oh, that's, of it all worked. Yeah. I really loved the scene between the two Barrys in the Batcave where Barry one just flips oh, yeah. on Barry two and says, yep. you have no idea how lucky you have it. You have no idea what I've been. He just loses it on him because he really doesn't know better. He doesn't know why he went back in time to mm-hmm. do what he did. Yeah. And he, and the way he finds out too, is just so, Oh, little brother shouldn't have been listening in. Kind yeah. of, that was pretty clever, yeah. but also a, a total, Oh crap moment. Yeah. I loved the kind of one sided conversation before Bruce Wayne agrees to help them when he's monitoring the Batcave via his a camera in his study. When Barry's talking to him on the ca- on the camera, like you had an Alfred too, right? Which I love that line because mm-hmm. it was a nice little touch for Michael Goff. He had the yeah. the pen. Nice, the pen. The was, pen, yeah. Yeah. But it was very it was great. That was a fantastic scene. Oh, you know what else I loved? He held on to the Joker laugh. Box. Yes, the yeah. little bo- the bag. That, yeah. the oh, bag that was such a good callback. I was like, ah, I see what you did there. Almost makes me wish we had the like a shot of the Joker in the multiverse. Yes, yeah. you do hear Caesar Romero. Well, I mean, when they, when, when they pass by the, oh, I hear you, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah, a, a, an actual shot or two. Yeah. Just yeah, to yeah. go off the laughing bag thing, I would have liked if he continued running around and there was a penguin umbrella and like a whip or something. And oh, yeah. About how he's kinky or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh. I was I wondering were... how many of those little references we were going to get. And that, that was a nice surprise. It's funny because yeah. there were rumors that Michelle Pfeiffer and Danny DeVito might show up in that in this movie, but that didn't obviously turn out to be the case. It would have been nice to see nods to them, though. I will say that. I think that the Batman, they did a lot of good with the Batman stuff. I, I think what they had was great. And maybe if they didn't have the laughing bag, the other guys would have been needed. But I think the laughing bag, it pretty much tells you what you need to know. Yeah. And it gives us that Easter egg, I think, that we all caught. like, this is amazing. Yeah. Because I know I saw that I lost my, I lost it. Oh, no, it was yeah. perfect. It was, it was perfect. It, it was good. It yeah. was very good. What do you guys think of the Batman? I was about to say, that was cool. I the love way... that the cockpit stayed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That reminded me of like those old Batman Batwing toys where it would yeah. do yeah. that. And yeah. like, oh man, that was dope. Well, I think one of my favorite shots in the movie is the Batwing against the moon and the Flash asks, yeah. Oh, that was a nice ba- Batman, where's your parachute? And he just jumps down and the score swell, the bat score swells as he's diving down and the keep opens. Like, oh, it's Batman. And the, and so much Batman goodness. Is in the moon just like in the was moon. Yeah, nice little, nice oh, little callback. Yep. And that was the thing. I, I mean, I, I make no bones about it. Like, Keaton was the. The big highlight for me with this whole movie that was the driving force. Everything he did was fantastic. And even though we got to see more of his Batman in action than we did in the previous two movies, everything felt grounded with what had come before. You know what I mean? Even though, you know, special effects have come a long way, we can see more action with like, you know, him going into the uh, you know, the the, the tunnel and whatnot and the bulletproof cape. Everything felt like it was a a perfect continuation of his Batman that came before. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it was, it, uh, it was a, just everything he did, chef's kiss, absolute chef's kiss. And, and even, you know, as, as sad as it was when he, uh, when, when, when he passes on, it, it, it felt like a nice full circle moment. You know, again, One time. Yeah. He even says the line from that Affleck says, maybe. Not. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, true. The, yeah. the way he uses the batterings during the fight in the tunnel in Russia. Mm. 
yeah. amazing. But I think my favorite action bit is when he's taking on the Kryptonian giant and he says, bomb, jumps oh, yeah. to the other side of him, bomb, yeah. jumps to the other side, bomb. Like, that was awesome. That was like out of the Justice League animated series. Yeah. That was so cool. Yeah. I will say, on the other side, he was very physical for his old spry age. My yeah. God. I did like Supergirl. I like Sasha mm-hmm. Kaya's Supergirl a lot, and I think I would love to see more of her, and unfortunately, I don't think that's happening. I'm with you, Phil. I... I... I would love to see her come back. I don't think we're going to get it now, especially given the box office returns. But damn, she she was fantastic. I mean, oh yeah, I had high hopes going in, but but I was like, well, you know, it's not going to get too crazy. But she really impressed me. Uh, Even though she's not in it that much, and I would have loved to have seen more. Mm -hmm. What she's in, though, I mean. She has a star power and and a quality that just sort of radiates every time she's on screen, and, and oh. it, I don't know. It, it felt like Supergirl. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. She, agreed. she did feel like Supergirl. Yeah, uh, but totally underutilized. So yeah. it's she was fine. I'm sure she would make it. A, she'd be amazing if she had more to do, yeah. but she didn't have a lot to do. And I actually, to go back to something Phil too said about how Christopher Reeve embraced the role of Superman till the day he died, um, I still think had he been alive and healthy, they, it would have been his Superman in Russia and not Supergirl. Oh, it's possible. Oh, yeah. It's possible. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't rule it out. Not I don't know all. if I would have liked that, but that's another, that's another conversation. <laughs> Because he no, would have honestly, been how old if he were still alive? If, if he was alive, alive he, today, I think he'd be... I looked this up. He's not that old, much older than Keaton. He's around Keaton's age. Yeah. I like think he, like, he just looked... He, he, he was the benefit of having 52 when he died. He, he yeah. was 52 when he died, and he died in 2004. Four. Oh, and so. he's not that much older than Keaton, yeah. So he would yeah. have been 72 next year. When I, mean, I just think Andy slash WB would not have been able to pass up the allure of having the two of them in a film together. I, yeah, in a, in a world where that was possible, yeah, I, I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, and it's, I guess that's something fans always wanted to see anyway. So maybe you know, here guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, I admit a, I love here's all your that world fan art. In, in another I timeline. Will... In, a, in another timeline, that's your Batman versus Superman is Michael Keaton versus Christopher Reeve. Yes. I was oh, about to say, I, I love all of that fan art of the two of them and Linda Carter's Wonder Woman and John like Russell Shipp's Flash. Yeah. 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 Uh, I actually thought Supergirl was wonderful, though, but I do agree with Anthony. We don't get a lot of her, but what we do get it is, is pretty strong. And I love her enthusiasm for the role. Like, she's been everywhere. I know. And she yeah. even like showing the toys off and different. She's been everywhere. It's, I love when an actor shows enthusiasm. I think I've mentioned that before on here. I've really just, that's one of my favorite things. Mm. And she did mention she had a meeting with Saffron um, after the opening. Mm. And I kind of believe you can keep her, but you got to repackage her. That's, yeah. You know, yeah. if she's going to be the Supergirl um, in the movie, you're probably going to have to make her blonde and give her longer that's hair, a different look. Yeah, yeah. You can, but I think it can be done, and especially because she's not a problem in this movie. I think most people have seen it. Agree, she, she's pretty good at it. Mm. Yeah, she's almost. If if this is kind of repeating Batman versus Superman in a parallel kind of way, she's almost kind of the breakout in the same way that Gal Gadot Wonder Woman was. Yeah, I agree. Oh with yeah, that. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And I also think she has one of the best super suits that we've ever seen oh, yeah. on screen. I, yeah, 100%. her costume was great. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. 
I'm going to have to be the negative Nelly here and say, <laughs> like, and I know Zeddy is going to hate me too. I don't want her to continue. Oh, I am just so. Zeddy's head great. is exploding she, right she, now. She was, she was, she was, she was good. I'm sure she would do great in a Supergirl film, but I am so past the drama of this universe and the critics and the general audiences and all the different factions of fandom that I just want a clean slate. And I know we're not getting a completely clean slate. I know that, but I want as clean a slate as possible. I love her. I don't want her to continue. I can respect I don't. that perspective. No. And I think it's I think it is unfair. I wish this movie did do better so yeah. he could have kept her and Done other more. elements. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One hundred percent. Honestly, I think that's probably one of the most disappointing aspects about this movie. A lot of people thought it was gonna do gangbusters and it just whiffed. And yeah. not just yeah, it's not it's not just underperforming, it's a bomb. That's oh, a yeah. spectacular failure on the yes. highest <laughs> highest order. I, I think I read something it's... earlier. It might come in fourth this weekend. I saw that. Oh my that. gosh, that is Force. that's that's bad. That's, unfor- that's really unfortunate. Yeah, like you'd expect that about like if they re-release Batman and Robin or something. Not this. <laughs> this is actually a pretty decent movie. Yeah, except it ends with a nod to Batman and Robin. But yeah, you're right. Full <laughs> circle, like a circle. Yeah. We keep coming back to it. That's right. <laughs> Look, it, it breaks my heart. It's doing so bad because, like I said, I love this movie, and I think most people who do see it. At the very much, at the very least, enjoy themselves watching it. It does not deserve. Oh no! To fail the way it's failing. I've talked to a few people who did not like it, and I respect their opinions, of course. Um, but it's only been a few. Most people I've talked to have seen it and gave it a, you know, a, a shot and watch it start to finish. Do enjoy it, but I mean, there's there's a lot of positives about it. I think for any fan, you know, going beyond just this, the great stuff with Barry, Ezra Miller's fantastic performance. Her performance is because, like, not only is he the two mm. berries, I didn't even know he was that they were Dark Flash. No, <laughs> today I learned that was cool. Yeah, mm. we know? we didn't really. I mean, Phil too touched on it briefly. We didn't really get into it, but I would think we'd be remiss if we didn't take some time to focus on Nor- the Nora Allen character and that uh, through line because the emotional through line of this movie, um, with Nora Allen and Barry's love for her. And messing up the entire multiverse because all he wants is to bring her back and have a life with her was beautifully done. It, I, I cried. The scene where he, I cried both times I saw this film during the scene where he says goodbye to her at the supermarket, knowing he's sentencing her to her death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the woman they cast as her was perfect. She was so warm. Mary she Bell was Bell fun. Bell. Yeah. She was great. And uh, I broke my heart. Those young Barry scenes hit. Because you know it's coming. Yeah. Yep. And you want that little kid to be happy because he seems like he's just a happy little kid. Yeah. And yep. then tragedy strikes. No. Those are like great I... scenes. And like that song that plays, like, mm-hmm. I, it's probably a happy song, but who could hear it that way now? <laughs> I mean, no, you can't. <laughs> I did like that younger Barry, the way he interacted with Nora. That was just, you, you felt that come full circle when he's an adult and he's at the supermarket and he has to make that difficult decision to put, to take the tomato can out of the basket because he knows what's going to happen after that. And he has that solemn goodbye with his mom and he goes through the, I love you. I love you more. I love you most. He goes through that in the speed force with her. And it, it was, 
the emotional stuff in this movie absolutely worked 100%. I think that's absolutely in part to Maribel Verdu and Ezra Miller just having really solid chemistry as, as professionals. The warmth she infuses in the character, too. Like, when she, again, that final scene between them in the supermarket, she thinks he's a stranger. She's like, she sees him crying. Oh, can I give you a hug? I know I'm not your mother, but can I give you a hug? Here's a tissue. It's just beautiful work all around. Again, the through line with the monkey, too. Like, the stuffed monkey. Her calling him monkey. Yeah. All he had of her was this raggedy stuffed monkey that he cherished in his universe, and then... It's just a throwaway toy in the other universe because yeah. every birthday he got something monkey because she called it. Yeah. So it didn't mean anything to this other Barry. Like, I loved all those choices. Every choice they made with Nora Allen. Now, there is a lot of heart in this movie. And it, I mean, it's cliche to say, but it packs a punch. It really mm-hmm. does. I mean, I would say it's some of the stronger stuff that we've seen in, in comic book movies as of late. It really lands. It's never over the top or, or overly sentimental. It's a nice balance. And it, it, I mean, those moments really make this film stand out. And it's in a lot of ways, a great coming of age story that in addition to all the spectacle, you know, really acts as a, a beautiful, uh, you know, story on grief and, and overcoming your pain and, and sort of letting your scars be a part of you, but not defining you in the worst possible way agreed i I think that's why this film excels the way it does and i want to compare it to batman begins which as many Mm -hmm. would know or you may know that's my favorite batman movie yeah to me that is the bar and so what that movie does is it really gets you in the head of bruce Mm -hmm. and you care about bruce and his journey and his feelings and what's affected him and what's happened to him and i think they do that with ezra miller here in a way that hits very similarly. I mean, we have two berries, so you even get to see the what if. Well, if yeah. Nora doesn't die, this is what Barry becomes. He's just this normal kid for, you know, he's obnoxious and he's a kid. It is what it is. <laughs> and I think that really drives the point home how much the death of his mom affects him. Mm. And I think that emotional through line is really you could take away batman you could take take away the the action the effects that's what makes this movie worth watching that batman batman though i feel like adds to it though with the conversation about uh you know it's our scars that define Mm -hmm. us like i i I ended up alone no yeah yeah yeah. okay sorry (laughs) i was about to say because i thought the batman emotional aspect Mm -hmm. really added to what Barry is going through because this is another guy who lost his both parents when yeah. he was young and look how he turned out and he's saying hey, our scars make us but also don't turn out like me i ended yeah. up alone in a cave I, I love the way that they use him as a mentor figure not an authoritative figure but a mentor yeah, yeah. i thought that mm-hmm. was yeah. smart because you would have expected to be the other way mm. like no yeah. he's gonna tell barry what to do no he was a mentor it's cool yeah. and on that point chris it, this movie really made me care about the Flash more mm-hmm. so than I did going into the film. I mean, oh. and I think that really underscores its its achievement. I mean, at best, I've been more of a casual Flash fan over the years. This made me want to invest more and more time into this character. Like, I mean, I think that's a, a real powerful achievement with this film to you know be able to you know bring a character and, and, and make it front and center and, and 
have that kind of lasting impact. I think that's the sign of the best comic book movies. When you go into yeah. a movie not really knowing the character, you walk out looking up, what do I read next? Exactly. Yep. 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 Bingo. Read completely. We got any more positives? Iris. She wasn't in it much, but Kiersey Clemens is great in the role. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She was great. Absolutely. I will say and, that to add on yeah. to that, uh, her inclusion, by way, would also just make the fact that this film is canon to Zack Snyder's Justice League on top mm-hmm. of. Pajarnov right. reference on top of the time travel talk between him and Bruce. Like it, it really is all just it, it it's tied to that continuity and I, I appreciated that. So the the I, reference where she's like, haven't we met before? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. She was great. And another positive, I just really like the scene. I know this rubbed some people the wrong way because some people found it a little too much, but I loved the scene in Barry Two's apartment where Barry realizes he messed up the multiverse. Uh, it's Kevin Bacon and Top Gun. It's, you know, Eric Stoltz and Back to the Future. I love, yeah. I love the, the in-pop culture jokes. Those are great. Yep. Yeah. Eric Stoltz thing really, I, that's hilarious to me. Yeah. I think of like yeah. Last Action Hero when they go in the blockbuster and Stallone is the Terminator. Is Terminator? Yeah. 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 <laughs> to me, it was on that, like, this is amazing. Yeah, like, that whole scene was great. And I love that uh, Arthur Curry's dad had a cameo, and the yeah. But are you married to a beautiful fish queen? And then you <laughs> see his wife. Yeah. No. <laughs> Great. Uh, another thing we actually didn't touch on was the Ben Affleck Batman action scene. The whole oh, fight sequence. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, was fantastic. The thing of beauty. It was fantastic. The and, shot. And he was chasing Falcone's son. Mm-hmm. That was such yeah. a cool little mention. Yeah. The shot of him spiraling through the fire like a mm-hmm. missile. He comes launching through the fire to spire. It's so great. Um, I, I did think the uh, surfing on the street was took a little too far. Like, <laughs> But it was cool to watch. It was cool to see. I'm not going to complain about it. Yeah, the street was... surfing was uh, a, little, a little much, but it's okay. It was interesting. Can, can, we, can I just say, though? It was a choice. It was a choice. <laughs> Ugly as hell Batman costume. What the hell was that? So, so allegedly, <laughs> he was only, Affleck only was supposed to be Bruce Wayne in this. And then I think, I don't know, I, I don't even know if I'm getting this right, but from what I understand, that suit was only meant to just be for action and stunts. It wasn't quite fitted for him to wear and act in. That's why it looks kind of goofy when you see him in the suit. Oh, I don't okay. even like the webbing though on it. Yeah. yeah, the the whole like honeycomb armor and the 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 shade of blue I liked, but it looked it looked it didn't look like genuine. I wish they would have made it actually blue, but I, I don't know. I was about to say I like that we got finally got blue shade here. And yeah. I yeah, would would take that I guess, but no, I'll it was it. it was a Again, that was a choice. That was you know, a unique choice. You know what was worse, in my opinion, though, about that suit? When you look under the webbing, you could tell this is, I, th- I think it's like his BBS suit. Yep. It's a standard yeah. bat suit. What the hell was the thing on top? I know. That was bizarre. It was really bizarre. Because that just takes your whole, like, you can't look away from the honeycomb. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's exactly yeah. it. But cool scene. I, I like seeing him, you know, fight regular people. And yeah. I think his bat yeah. cycle... It may be my favorite bat cycle on screen. I like it better than the bat pod. Agreed. Hanson's bike was just a bike. I liked how uh, 
I like the cool things it could do, like mm-hmm. <laughs> the shield that popped yeah, up. Yeah, that was a really nice. That cars. was cool. Yeah. That, that was, was cool. Dope. Yeah, I like that a lot. That was fun. The, the whole liked, opening liked, was fantastic. Yes, it really was. I love the reference of Flash meat to him too during that chase where he's like, "How come it's always your messes?" I feel like I'm cleaning up. Yeah, All the damage yeah. you do. That was funny. Yeah, that was a good line. Was and the actually, banter was top notch. I liked the Wonder Woman lasso on Batman, and he oh, and he and he says, I, "My ego's too big to thank anybody." <laughs> a lot of people have been bitching about that online, and it's just like, uh, you know no. what? Yeah, no, it's. That's who he is. That's he, it's, it's, that's Batman. That's, that's Batman. truthful. Yeah. He his ego really is too big to thank anybody. Yep, yeah, I've seen people compare it to like the the Joss scene from the 2017 Justice League, and I don't think I, it's on the same level. No, no I no, like no. that scene. I, I kind of like that one too, but it's this to me is a better use of it because yes. it feels more like the character. I agree. I like, even, we didn't know that Aquaman well enough, I think, to say okay, that's Aquaman being real. I even liked. Uh, and I know some people had issue with it. I even liked Barry touching the last. So, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. Uh, yeah. That was funny. Uh, I, don't know that that, I feel like that joke was one of the few that didn't quite land for me, but I, I understood it. Also, I was so glad we got to see Jeremy Irons as Alfred one last time. I loved yeah. his. That Alfred, was a nice so. surprise. That, that was, was a real nice surprise. surprise. I wondered if he was going to be in this, and I'm glad he was. Yeah. I like the moment he says he's proud of him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was nice. Mm, nice full. Surprise. Circle moments. In a way, I guess it does do a lot of things full circle and close it out, but Clooney. In certain regards, yeah, <laughs> but I feel like, to to Anthony's point, it didn't really reset anything for us to see going forward, but I would also say that there really isn't much to show because that plan is in its infancy at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe if the projects were closer, you may have seen some overlap, but at the same time, it's better that they're not. Which I'm I think ex- leads us to the next segment, <laughs> which is going to be the unfortunate truth about the reception. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. a lot of blame blame being thrown, fingers being pointed. It's this thing's fault. It's that's fault. It's Ezra. I think at the end of the day, people simply did not care about the Flash. And Michael Keaton was not enough to save it. This is a brand thing. That's where I stand on it. People just did not care about the DCEU. The DCEU I, is dead. Bury it. I think, <laughs> I think Warner Brothers shot themselves in the foot by doing way too many fan screenings right before the movie. Bingo. Released. Yes. They this did that. This had the and, most I've ever seen. Yes. It had more than Aquaman. It had more than Shazam. It had more than the Suicide Squad. Yeah. This had, more than the Batman. Which yeah, had a lot. more than the Batman. This, I got invited to three or four different pre-screenings for The Flash. I couldn't get into one of them. So what does that tell you about trying to get into a pre-screening as opposed to trying to get into an opening weekend? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I think that to, on some lesser extent, yeah, I do think that some people are just not invested in The Flash. But I also think that people are not invested in films that they might look at it and go, well, this is getting reset in 2025. So why should I be invested now? I feel like there's some of that. I feel like there might also be some people who are like, I'll wait for HBO max or max, whatever they're calling it now streaming. Cause that is a big factor into Mm -hmm. the theatrical world today. Um, I think there is a very minimal, minute, minute, tiny percentage of people who did not see this movie because of the things going on in regards to Ezra Miller. But I, I, I think ultimately it just had way too much stacked against it on top of the fact that it came out right after Across the Spider-Verse, which I don't think anyone expected to be the big hit that it was. Mm. And that also dealt with multiverse. And it's, again, another superhero movie. 
So I really feel like there's just two films just too close within each other. And people probably went, eh, I already saw Spider-Verse, which was a multiverse movie. I think I'll wait for The Flash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons you could potentially point to why this film failed. I don't necessarily think there is one exclusive one. I think I think it's a combination of all that, but I do think a large part is people just are done with the DC. The brand is tarnished. Mm-hmm. And, and I hate saying that because I have loved every film we got over the past 10 years to one extent or another. I have enjoyed the ride, but I think it just has not resonated with critics or general audiences for the most part. And I think DC, uh, James Gunn has his work cut out for him. Yeah. He, re- he really, he really, really does. I don't know. It's it's exhausting being a DC fan. It really is. Mm-hmm. The discourse online. Yeah. I'm I'm done with it. I'm done with it. And it saddens me to say that I came out of the fan screening loving the movie. Mm-hmm. I was so excited. I thought it was going to be huge. I thought people were going to love it. And it's more of the same online. And I still, I'm done. I want to wipe my hands of it. I want a clean slate. And I think the best thing they can do, I think it's the best thing in the world for DC next year that they only have the Joker movie coming out to give the brand a break. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, right now it is clear that unless the title has Batman or Joker in it, the general audience is not going to show up. I mean, I think that just seems to be the case right now. So yeah, a a break is needed. It's probably been needed for a long time. Um, Again, it, it is unfortunate with regards to this movie because if you push through all the noise, there is something special there. But yeah, it's an all of the above. There was so many things going against this movie, all of the, I mean, just the production hell of making this movie. I mean, it's, yeah. it's nothing short of a miracle. It, it exists in the form that it exists now. So I, I, th- this will be studied for, you know, if we talk about a, a time capsule to the, to this era of superhero films. I mean, I, I don't want to throw around the, uh, the F word, uh, because I think that's an easy way to say, Oh, it's superhero fatigue. It's superhero fatigue. I, I, I think audiences today are looking for something a bit more when it comes to them because we have so many. And I, but I don't think that says, well, they're just, they're sick of them. I think audiences are being more choosy. And I think that ties into what I said about like, it's a, this is a movie is a love letter for us fans, but for the general audience, it sort of like goes over your head or it's like, what the hell is going on? You know, Chris Mm -hmm. Lord and Phil Miller recently, or is it? Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Yeah, Phil Lord and Chris Miller recently spoke on the concept of superhero fatigue, and I think they made a really great point in that people aren't tired of seeing superhero movies. They're tired of seeing the same superhero movies. And I feel like when it comes to making a superhero movie, it's got to have just something special, unique, grandstanding, verisimilitude, just something that has the gravitas and worthiness of a big budget theatrical experience right but also being just something that is entertaining hopeful optimistic heroic in all the right ways but also faithful to something that you might see in the source material whether that source material be it a comic book video game or and you know just talking just exemplary purposes batman for example be it a comic book movie video game animated tv show 
you have to do something that is reminiscent of maybe all of that, but none of it at all. But at the, also, weirdly enough, at the same time, when it comes to DC and Warner Brothers and the history of being a filmmaker-driven studio, now we get an autonomous DC studios under James Gunn with his vision and what he wants to do. Will that filmmaker-driven ideal still be present at DC studios? Or is it going to be James Gunn being like, hey, I don't know, you should do this, that, and the other thing. I don't see that happening personally because he doesn't seem like that kind of creative, but I think with him stepping into the position, he's going to have to learn things that he's not done before because he's not been in this position before. I would imagine he has a set of rules, like a like some, somewhat of a Bible put together already I'd certainly that tells so. these guys, this is what you can do, this is what you can't do. This is what we're looking for, this is what we're not looking for. And I also think that maybe some of these creatives that come on will have more leverage than we think. Like, I don't think he's he's hiring Andy Muschietti to just make his, like, James Gunn's Batman movie. He's right. hiring him to make the Batman movie that the thing was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then yeah, again, again, it's just going to have to adhere to the overarching story, make sure it doesn't contradict anything in the overarching story, and make sure the aesthetic, the look, it fits into the universe. But otherwise, it's going to be too. his film. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think another thing they're going to, Peter Saffron, and I know it's Peter Saffron of the duo who's really in charge of this, until these films start being mega hits again, you got to control the budget. Yep. Oh, yeah. The Flash's budget ballooned out of control Ooh. because of all the reshoots and changes and everything they had to do. And the CGI, yeah. too. I mean, you had this... two berries yep. on screen at all times. Yep. But uh... I think for these first few DCU movies, Superman Legacy included, mm-hmm. you got to have a moderate budget. And I say that because Superman is not necessarily a draw. Look at Superman Returns, Man of Steel. Like, look at what they made. Like, you can't have a three hundred million dollars Superman movie. Keep it to one fifty. Keep it to one twenty. Whatever. And and that's look just at the it. Batman's budget. Look at the yeah. Batman's budget, yeah. but also look at Brightburn, a film gun produced on what yeah. like a six million dollar budget, something like that. Basically, that hit Superman. Yeah, and that was like a again really tiny budget. It's not like you need two hundred two hundred fifty no. million dollars to make these movies happen i mean the only reason the batman budget balloon was because it happened it started filming right as covid hit exactly right yeah before covid i think it was like 120 or less yeah it was something yep. around that. that was the price tag yeah and i mean you look at the movie it looks it doesn't look cheap by any means no and a lot of it was even filmed on the volume and it does not look cheap it no. looks like a big blockbuster excellent use of the volume tech by the way that's oh, definitely. Yeah, seamless. Absolutely seamless. seamless. Beautiful. I was, when I was watching that, I was thinking, like, what is real? What is not? I know. It's, you know, it's mm-hmm. magnificent. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the magnificent. off chance I ever, ever teach a film class, the right way to use volume technology, I'm going to show a shot of the Batman. The wrong way to use the volume tech, shot of Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. That's there we just go. me. That's it. No, that is it. Literally. Here's the bar. Here's the low end. That's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have a question. Oh, hard to clear it. I was going to say I have a question for you. So what does Gunn or I guess Zaslav, WBD, whoever, do? <laughs> Superman Ow. Legacy is a bomb. Oh. <laughs> Keep going. I think that's yeah. the key lesson here. You don't stop and say, well, let's try to redo this while we're doing it. You just keep, you keep going. going. Yep. Okay. okay. That, that's so, what Marvel did essentially. If, yeah. If you want to do the way things Marvel did, that's how they ran it. Because Iron Man hit Incredible Hulk for whatever ball. reason did not, but yeah. that didn't stop them. They said, okay, well, 
we're, we're still going to make Captain America and Thor, and we're still getting Avengers going. So this is happening. I agree with you, Chris. But my question is, like, after 10 years of diminishing returns for many of these movies, and now they're reboot, they're reboot, whatever, they, uh, if it bombs right out the gate, and then the authority comes out and bombs, and the only one making money is Batman, Man. at what point do they say, okay, hi, let's, let's do the, let's well, listen to certain people on the internet, and the connected universe doesn't work. And I need to listen to certain people. I know where you're going. <laughs> to that point, to that point, look at what Marvel did in regards to how they operated Phase One through Three. They kind of built the backbone of it on maturely Iron Man. Now, yeah. if Superman Legacy bombed and Authority doesn't really do well, but Batman: Brave and the Bold kicks off, I could see them building out the universe from that perspective simply because of the fact it's batman but also because it's familiar yeah now if they get something else that hits along the way cool but i also think that his slate is diverse enough to where they don't necessarily just have to continuously worry about getting revenue from the live action box office at the theater that's right because you know waller's a tv show green lantern's a tv show booster gold's gonna be a tv show creature commandos is an animated show right um, the only movies they have are Superman Legacy, Authority, Brave and the Bold, Supergirl World of Tomorrow, and Swamp Thing. Yeah. So those – it when you only have five films to worry about, that gives your creative people attached to them more time to work on them in the time span that we have. That's a good and point. G- Gun's chugging along with Superman Legacy mm-hmm. as it is right now. So it'll it, it'd be yet to be determined. And I honestly think that if Gunn wants Superman Legacy to be a successful four-quadrant hit, he needs to find – I'm kind of echoing Dave Penny here a little bit, but he needs to find like a sweet middle ground between the 78 film and Man of Steel if he wants that movie yeah. to be successful. Well, and I think he said as much. He said he ne- he wants to find a way to honor everything that's come before but yep. be its own thing. So I think he knows – I do not doubt that he knows <laughs> – how important this film is. And the so pressure. much is riding on this film. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this could not be, it's a, oh, it's good, but kind of movie. It, it, it no, has it, to land. Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, think that's, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go on, Chris. I apologize. I, I was going to say, I think that's one of the reasons also you have to establish, because you are right, Anthony. If they keep having a series of bombs except for Batman, that's bad. Yep. But I think... You do need to establish that this is a different thing yeah. now. And I'm almost wondering, and I, I said this somewhere, I think it was on Twitter. What if you did a stylized look for this entire universe? Like, what if it, it you go for something that doesn't look like the MCU, it doesn't look like the DCEU, it has a very specific look? New, unique aesthetic right? to it. Like, yeah. like, not to reference, um, okay, I think a, like something from Zack Snyder. Look at Watchmen. Yep. That has a yeah. very specific noir look. Absolutely, or yeah. I hate the movie. I really don't like it, but the spirit. That oh, has a yeah. very specific... Yeah, yeah. You know, think, what if you did that right, for Chris. the whole universe? Well, didn't Gunn kind of allude to he is... He said for something. For legacy, like, yeah. Yeah, he said something. And I, but I'm wondering if that's going to carry on to everything. And I'm not saying to use those examples as a blueprint or something, but just the idea well, everything he, has a look. It has. It has to. It, he it has, has talked about like how the thing he likes about DC more than Marvel is he gets to dive into the fantasy elements. How DC yeah. is essentially an alternate world history because you're not yeah. dealing with New York City. You're dealing with Gotham City. You're dealing with Metropolis. These futuristic cities that yeah. 
don't exist anywhere. They're yeah. not like cities we've ever seen. All these films are going to have a unique look based on kind of what he's saying. Well, I mean, like a cohesive look. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think I think they will. And I, and I also think this is maybe a bold projection. I think Swamp Thing is going to make the most money out of anything on this slate. Mm, that is bold. I will bet you Batman does, just because Batman is... Batman prints money. Is, I think they're yeah. going to be one and two, whichever way that shakes out. But there's no way the Batman one doesn't make money, especially with Robin in it. I, Batman's a guaranteed moneymaker, but I, I think you might be onto something, Chris. I think Swamp Thing could surprise people because it is so different, and yet there's a unique familiarity to it. Well, what are the two biggest grossing genres right now in movie theaters? Superheroes and horror. So when you combine the two... Yeah, and (laughs) honestly, I could even see Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow being a a super surprise Mm -hmm. because because of the contents of that story and how different of a portrayal. And like, the only other comparison you would have as far as Supergirl and live action goes at this point would be the Helen Slater film and now The Flash. That's literally it. So you really don't have that much bat, quote baggage yeah. to worry about when it comes to making that movie. No, that's, right. I, uh, that's iffy as the authority. That's the only one that is iffy because that one's like a you're pushing R-rated Deadpool territory with that mm-hmm. concept. Oh well, I think that's why he plans on introducing a good handful of those characters in Legacy based yep. on the casting. I think yeah, that's a good yep. idea. I think what's important, though, just going to what they need to do to make this universe a success, and you kind of touched on it, Chris, temper expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This isn't like Marvel starting yeah. out, where it's a clean slate. They have 10 years of shit they need to dig themselves out of. And I say <laughs> shit in quotes. I don't think it's shit, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> they have 10 years of baggage they need to get the general audiences and critics to let go of. And I I would say in a certain regard, higher expectations of Marvel because the Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, they're all the A-list. Oh yeah. They're the, they're the first stringers where Marvel yeah, yeah. were all B and C listers at yeah. the time. Yep. So you have to temper expectations. The first few are not going to make a billion dollars. I'm sorry. They're not based on and i don't think they have to any i mean i think, I think the so. billion no, 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 dollar no. yeah yeah i just mean zaslav oh, like oh yeah ha, like well. the studio the money the guys concerned with money need to temper their expectations like you're not gonna have a billion dollar hits right off the bat because you have to establish right. yourself right. now right i'm glad they're not bombs yeah yeah, yeah. no some money is, is is better than no money you know yeah, exactly especially, like you guys said keep the budgets down and i think you yeah. got a winner because let's say you know Superman costs a hundred. If it makes three hundred, cool. I mean, it's not great, but it didn't bomb. Exactly. Well, look at Batman Begins. Batman Begins only made under four hundred thousand of million worldwide. Perfect yeah, exa- example. Yep. Yeah. And then the Dark Knight grossed over a billion, billion, over yeah. a billion. Yeah. As did the Dark Knight Rises. Even uh, Superman yeah. Returns didn't like bomb. It just no. didn't do that great. Yeah. Well, true, but it also it had. Its budget was also attached from the previous budget of Superman Lives. Yeah, that's true too. That's right. They they tacked it on, which was odd to me. But and sure, that was a strange that's, choice. That's why Superman Returns wasn't as successful as it could have been, which is really unfortunate because it had almost nothing to do with the production of that movie specifically. It had something to do with Tom Fullery from the studio. Yeah, yeah just tacking <laughs> Superman. It's money. Right. Put it in one folder. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas they it's, didn't do that with Begins, which is kind of funny. yeah, yeah. It's it's so jarring to me that that they that, that they've 
done stuff like that. It's so jarring to me that that studio is just mm. Warner Brothers. We are in a new era, and I think that's. I have a lot of hope in this new era. James Gunn is is a different beast, and I like how he's yes. repeatedly said he is his own boss. Zaslav is just there mm-hmm. to kind of write the check or sign the that, check, as it would be. That almost sounds like PR. Well, talk, but yeah, but yeah, I, 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 I think it is PR talk to an extent because if you look, uh, James Gunn can't cast Superman Legacy until we get signed off from the higher ups at WB. Yeah, they they did sure. mention that, but I mean, yeah. even still, that's better than the higher ups governing what happens. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Or mandating his, put his, this actor in. Right. These are his picks, and they're just going to say, "Okay, well, we like that one. Yeah, we like Nicholas Holt or whatever." I think Nicholas Holt's a great actor. I still don't know how he's constantly mentioned for Superman Cannot and Batman. See. Yeah, Cannot that's. I can't either. That one's a head scratcher. Really, yeah. You know, though, that's... I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as Andy's Batman. Somehow. I really wouldn't be surprised. I would not be shocked to see him be Lex Luthor. I hope out of I hope I would prefer that over Superman or Batman. Of the yeah. castings that have been floating around with his name attached to it, that's the only one I could see possibly happening. But I could do with that. Yeah. And when I say possibly happening, I mean from a perspective of working for me potentially, because I don't at all see him as Batman or Superman whatsoever. <laughs> Because he was already beast, and I have that visual in my head. It's like, yeah, I, I just can't see you in a, in a blue and red cape or ears and a symbol. Just no, you're beast. I just think him as Renfield. Sorry. Now. Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> does have that. he does have the Renfield vibe. Yeah, but it, yeah. you know, in Renfield, he was pretty good with action. Okay, there is that. Good to know. <laughs> I'd be okay with Lex Luthor. So yeah, Le- Le- Lex is fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, whatever role he gets, I'll support him. Yeah, I'm gonna give him. Yeah, a shot. let's see what he does, but. If I had to choose, he's not getting these mainline heroes. No, no, no. Maybe he'd stick him as Swamp Thing. Maybe that's okay. <laughs> there it is. That that's we've solved I mean, that one got, right here. He's got some piercing eyes, so yeah, that could work. Sorry to the Scars Guard boys. We got a new one in town. Cast <laughs> Nicholas Holt is everything. There we go. <laughs> All right, the, the manifesting circle will continue for the Joker and beyond. <laughs> yes, we'll do, we'll do what we can, guys. Are there any other last thoughts on this? Glad that the era is, you know, it's it's time for a break. That's what I will I, say. I think it's time for a break. I'm ready for I, a break. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm ready for a break. I, I don't want to do this again in another month with Blue Beetle and then another five months with Aquaman. You I'm know, you know, ready for it to be over. If they just send them to video on demand instead of putting them in theaters, we won't have to do this roundabout. Chris, I know people have been shitting on that idea online, but I'm 100% oh, yeah. with you, man. <laughs> I'm 100%. Send them to HBO Max. Uh, Max, whatever, right Max now. Max, video on them, whatever. Just if, I, if, 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 I was, if I was Zaslav, I'd be like, rent these out to <laughs> Netflix or something. So it's not with the <laughs> under the DC headline I, on HBO. The, the brand I, is already tarnished. If these films come out and bomb, you're just going to throw more dirt on the same dirt. <laughs> yep. And everybody's like, what are we watching here, guys? We're, it's like watching a train wreck and every cart keeps getting smashed one after yep. the other. How long are you going to sit there and look at it? Of no. the two, I think if any of them have a chance at genuine success, it's Blue Beetle. Really? Yeah. Because it, it, it was initially planned as an HBO Max movie. It got mm-hmm. a little bit more on a budget, but even still, it doesn't have like a $200 million budget. 
it looks like it, but it looks good for what it is. The main actor is the kid from Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai has a pretty large following. That's true. Um, That's true. The film genuinely looks heartfelt, funny, and good. The blue beetle suit looks straight out of the comics. And on top of that, it's a Hispanic lead. We've never had mm. that for the Hispanic culture before. And I think it, it we're going to see a Black Panther. I, hopefully, I'm hoping we see a Black Panther Shang-Chi effect with it, this time among the Hispanic community. I really do hope that, that people come out and see this movie. And it does look like it is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I think... It looks it looks fun, and I think even the director said, "Yeah, we're we're part of the plans he going did. forward." I'm pretty sure Saffron's name and company produced well, this film too. Gunn so, has said that he's the first DCU character, but not the first DCU movie. Okay. But with I, that in I, mind, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that saying is ridiculous. It is. <laughs> I, I don't get that. I, I did, don't get that. It makes it more confusing. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yes. Just focus on Superman. Superman is the first movie. That's the fir- that should be the starting point. Don't complicate it because then the inevitable question is, well, what about Aquaman? Like, you know. Look, here here's the thing. Like, I I'll believe Blue Beetle is part of the new universe when I see it. Right. I am <laughs> hardcore. I'm hardcore skeptic on that. I think you would make great points, Phil, too, about why this could be a bigger. Success. I'm, I'm, I'm still doubtful that either of them will do very well at Dude, this point. Hey, it's a it's a wait and see, right? August mm-hmm. is an open mm-hmm. month with nothing attached to it. It's got you know no. That's that's true. That's so, that's very true. That has, that's the biggest thing it has going for it. In addition to the Hispanic lead, one hundred percent. I not think only, not only that, it's not a multiverse movie like the Flash or Across the Spider Verse. It looks like just a you know a typical straightforward story. comic book movie, right? Uh, for a new for a new kid on the block. I will say though, if you if you told me a month ago that a movie with two flashes, Supergirl, Batman, and General Zod was gonna struggle to make what two two hundred fifty at the global box office or whatever, something crazy, I would have laughed in your face. So right now, I like you said, I'm in wait and see mode. I'm not gonna get my hopes up for any of these. And again, I just I want to be past to this era. And if I'm pleasantly surprised along the way, so be it. I'm, I welcome that. What's the line from No Way Home? Expect disappointment, and you'll you never won't. be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. expect nothing. Expect, yeah, that, that, that's what it feels like now, especially <laughs> after the flash. I think we can all agree we want these films to be successful. Nobody wants these films not to do well. Oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. So definitely, you know, with that in mind, whatever works works. Yeah. And even if let's say Blue Beetle gets theatrical. See how that works. If that works, right. it's okay. Because then, like like Phil, too, you made a great point about the Hispanic community. And that's the thing that I like about it. If I had to pick one thing I like, other than the suit, it's the representation. Mm. I'm a big fan of it. I think yeah. that's awesome. So let's see how that works. And maybe if it doesn't, then let's have the conversation about taking Aquaman off the docket and maybe moving it to video, especially. <laughs> Not that this makes sense. But if it is the first DCU character, let's not confuse the audience by showing them Aquaman. Because we know Jason Momoa will more than likely not continue. James Gunn said only one character is cast in Superman Legacy right now. And I am willing to bet Monopoly money. It is Jason Momoa is Lobo (laughs) based on that video that he posted months ago. Hmm. Interesting. That would be my two cents on the situation. Very interesting. 
I could say it. I could say it. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I think that wraps us up. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Perfect we'll, we'll, we'll see. The Hold name up. of the episode. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay, so um, let's get some plugs going. Phil, two, you start us off. Well, thank you again, Chris, for having me on, and Anthony, and Phil, one. It was such fun talking to you guys about anything DC and The Flash, talking about this movie. Honestly, what, going into it, I'm like, because you guys are pretty positive, and I wasn't trying to be the, the Debbie Downer going into this, because I'm thinking about the film all week, and I'm like, damn, I hated that George Clooney ending. I, I know I'm going to come off like the, like Dark Flash on this, on this podcast episode. So to, to, to come on and find out we're all pretty much in simpatico in regards to the film was actually really, really refreshing. I'm glad. I got the chance to come and talk to you guys. Um, if anyone wants to follow me, uh, just at unfiltered Twitter, Vero, Instagram, you guys can follow my podcast show, the eternal night T E K podcast on Twitter and Instagram. It's just me and my buddy Craig talking about Batman all the time. And then most Thursdays, you can catch me on the four nerds on YouTube. Anthony, go ahead. Uh, you can find me every Monday in your podcast feeds at his podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, cover a new Christmas movie, TV show, TV special episode every Monday, all throughout the year. We've done tons of comic book stuff, Batman, Justice League, we covered No Way Home because it was set at Christmas. You know, they'll find any excuse to talk, uh, nerdy stuff if there's even a little Christmas tree in the background. So check us out. You know, we're officially halfway, past halfway mark, so tons of content coming <laughs> your way over the coming weeks and months. Well, that's exciting. Christmas is almost here. Uh, Phil, Phil one signing off here. You can uh, catch me every Friday with Phil at the movies. All the uh, Twitter information, you can find that in the, the show notes. But uh, definitely uh, give it a listen if you uh, haven't had your fill of me today. And, uh, Hear me talk about all things uh, for the love of movies. Uh, thank you, Phil, too, for joining us. I think that'll do it. You guys can find me on Twitter at Dactris70, if that's your thing. Uh, you can also find the podcast I co-host with my buddy Emmett Davis over at G of the Geeks. And you can find this show on Twitter as well, who didn't know, at DC Unlimited Pod. With that said, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>